Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we are recording this actually on New Year's Day. Uh, so we're going to take a look at the year in review for Wisconsin football, take a look at the past season, hand out some postseason awards for who we think um, you know most improved, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, some players we're excited to see again next year based on what we saw this year. So just kind of a wrap-up of this 2020 football season, which was a crazy one, so we'll kind of have a discussion on that and then uh, hand out some awards, and that'll be our one episode for the week. Um, we'll probably have this out on Wednesday just to give you guys a nice uh, midweek episode, and then uh, that'll be the only one for the week, like I mentioned on the last episode. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know it'll be nice to kind of put a stamp uh, of end on that football season and get ready. Um, for another one, because we'll start probably talking about some 2021 stuff here down the road. But Matt, how are you this fine New Year's Day? I'm doing great. Ready to to uh, knock out this podcast and watch a whole boatload of football today, and and hopefully the, we've got good games to watch. I know that's that's what I'm hoping for. I, I I see the writing on the wall, at least for the first one, that maybe Alabama gets away, but I think Ohio State and Clemson will hopefully be a game. And you've got. It's weird with the college football playoff. You've got some other good games sprinkled in there, so you've got a whole lot. If you've got the multiple TV set up, you've got you've got plenty to watch today. So hopefully we can get some uh, some good games out of it. I know the the college football playoff games the last few years haven't been all that enticing. For I know last year Clemson and Ohio State was pretty good, but some of these games in the in the past have not been super entertaining. So hopefully we can get a couple good games to to get us by. But either way, you've got a full slate of football on this New Year's Day to enjoy. But Let's uh, let's talk about this 2020 season for Wisconsin a little bit here. Of course, things were way up and down, you know, from from this past spring. You know, not even you know the Big Ten season being canceled and then fighting its way back. All you know, a, a ten game season, an eight game season, a six game season, end up playing however many games. It was just a, a wild and wacky year, but. Now that it's all said and done, what did you kind of make of this season for, for Wisconsin football and in really the Big Ten in general on, on how it just kind of all shook out? I mean, you, you need to look at it through the lens of the pandemic, I think, just because the pandemic has shifted everything um, in everybody's lives um, and, and generally not not positively. Um, so I, I think with that understanding, you look at – the, the Badgers, and, and they were absolutely decimated by what happened with COVID-19. So you, you saw players in and out of the lineup consistently every game. I mean, Wisconsin didn't have um, half their starters. Uh, you look at that bowl game, and it was just like it was a shell of what you thought this team was going to be going into the year. Um, and, and you look at the teams who did really well this year. You know, you look at Indiana – you look at Northwestern, for example, two teams who, who historically have had positive seasons, who have, have cycled up at times, but they're they're not like powerhouse teams. They're not a team like Wisconsin that has consistently been in the, the top 20 teams uh, in the country the past, you know, two decades. 
Um, but but they didn't really have any COVID issues. You you look at some teams across the country who haven't had COVID issues and they've had a good year. There's some that you know have been able to rise above that. Um, but you look at Michigan, they've had COVID issues. Penn State, they've had COVID issues and injury issues and opt out issues and all sorts of things. So I think if you look at it through the vacuum of hey, this was a great opportunity for a lot of players to be able to showcase their abilities. For the next level, you know, you look at um, uh, some of the players like an Eric Burrell. He he helped his chances of getting drafted this year because he had a um, fantastic season. Um, Cole Van Lannen, you know, up up and down for him performance wise, but at the same time, he's a guy that wanted to get some more on tape for the NFL. Um, it gave valuable experience for a lot of young players as well. So I think. Overall, it's, it's positive. Um, I know people are going to scoff at the 4-3 and three record, and they won the Mayo Bowl, and that's not normally what you uh, expect from a Badger team. But at the same time, when you look at everything that they've gone through and the number of players that were in and out of the lineup, and you know who knows what Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor even look like right now because they haven't, we haven't seen them in forever, it seems like. So... I think it's one of those things where it's hard to be upset with the season based off of everything that has transpired. And I think overall it was a it was a fun way um, to to kind of take um, your mind off the pandemic for fans and for the players. It was a way for them to to kind of come together and get through this and still be able to play the game they love. Yeah, I think you you made a lot of great points there, and I totally agree with you that it depends on your outlook of of the 2020 season. If you came in, you know, hoping to to go to a Big Ten championship and, and compete for the college football playoff, yes, you're probably coming away disappointed. But I'm guessing the the vast majority of Badger fans out there that even if that was your your hope and your scope, um, eventually, probably after that Northwestern loss, you know, you lost two games to the pandemic and, and cancellations. Of course, Ohio State gets there anyway with, with a lesser amount of games. But once you lost that Northwestern game, that part of the season and that hope was already gone. Of course, yeah, you would have probably wanted to play a little bit better against an Indiana or an Iowa. But, again, those are those are teams, like you mentioned, that didn't really have COVID issues. I think COVID issues and, and the, the lack of rhythm, you know, these guys in a normal season, you get into game week. You know, if you play a game, you get right back into game week. You have a schedule, you have a flow, you guys get into a rhythm. This past year, Wisconsin especially, and a lot of programs across the country, did not have that. And I think that takes a lot bigger of a toll than maybe we even realize with with practices. And and just some of these guys were probably going out there and and playing, you know. You know, you talk about Graham Mertz and and some of those games on just a couple days practice. and, And who knows, you know, how much prep they really got. So I know at times there was... There was ugly football at times for sure, but I, I think that's a big part of it. So at the end of the day, yeah, the expectations were not maybe what people wanted, but I still think this game and, and this season um, was was very valuable because they were a little bit battle-tested. You got some guys in there that uh, you wouldn't expect it at the beginning of the year. You know, We did preseason previews and, and talking about certain guys and, and where we thought you know the offense and defense was going to really click. Some of those kind of got dated kind of fast because you were seeing a lot of new guys worked into the fold. But when you're not competing for a championship after a few weeks, it's nice to kind of see those guys in there and, and get these guys battle-tested. Because I think when you talk about that in terms of 2021, I know we hit on it a lot last episode, but these will be 
some moments that these guys can look back on in their careers, and I think it will really help build them up as they look to, you know, jump to the next level. A couple of years ago, you went pinstripe bowl to Rose Bowl. So hopefully a, a Mayo Bowl, you know, you can learn and develop some guys and then take a jump up to you know, maybe not a New Year's Six, who knows, but it's certainly a possibility. You expect that at Wisconsin in a normal year. So um, I think at the end of the day, it was a it was a good season for that to get some prep, get some battle tested, and, and hopefully these guys will have a and the nice part is as well, you know, a two-game win streak, beat your rival, win a bowl game, that really sets you up um, well for next year. So I think if you look at it through the right lens, this year was maybe not a success, but something you can really build on. For sure. I think it's definitely a, a moment that the team can use um, to propel them forward and to um, kind of fuel them this off season because it didn't go how they wanted it to. It didn't go how anybody wanted to. Really, the whole year didn't. Um, for for most folks, so I think this is one of those where you you chalk it up for what it is, and an understanding of there's not much we could have done given the circumstances. I think the second you saw Wisconsin missing out on two straight games, where it wasn't just like hey two straight weeks uh, or two straight games where you just missed the game and that's it. It was they had to completely shut down everything they were doing for. Um, multiple days in there. It was a full week of shutdown activities where they weren't even practicing. It, it's hard to get back into your rhythm and then just be like, oh, it's time to play. You saw Ryan Day talk about that um, leading into their game against Clemson here saying, uh, you know, it, we're going to get some guys back, but at the same time, you can't just not do anything for five you know, to 10 days and then be like, all right, I'm ready to roll. Um, it's, it's just doesn't work with that. Not only, um, you know, physically it, it takes a toll on you, but mentally as well, um, just to get back in that mindset of, all right, now I'm going to just turn on the, <laughs> turn on everything and we're good to go. Um, so I, I think it was a tough year, but at the same time, there was definitely some positives. And I know we're going to talk about those. Yeah. And, and the other thing about that is, you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, you're normally, hanging out with your friends, you normally go into class, you normally got a lot of social aspect as well, and they didn't have any of that. So it's just a really tough season um, and a tough ask for a lot of these guys. But at the end of the day, I think it'll be they'll be stronger for it. So you mentioned kind of the, the positive moments. If you had to pick one as you look back on this season, what was maybe your favorite moment um, from this up and down 2020 season? Oh, God, it had to be the Illinois game. Just the way that <laughs> Wisconsin came out the gates looked like, ungodly like they look so good um against that illinois team they look um they absolutely took took them um to the woodshed at 45 45 to 7 they looked like they were going to be on a path towards you know a new year's six bowl again or, or in um being able to compete for a, a conference title uh graham Mertz looked like he was you know the best quarterback to ever come through here since russell wilson and and I, it, it just, you know, it, it obviously changed after that game. Um, I mean, they still looked great after beating Michigan, but it, the season quickly turned on them. Um, but at the same time, that that game was um, exhilarating. It was a lot of fun. That was that was just a wild game to watch. Um, you know, we were at that point. Remember that we were breaking down the game and complaining about the fact that the Badgers' run game didn't look like it normally did. <laughs> and, and as they just absolutely thrashed um, Illinois. So uh, it tells you just how um, quickly things have changed because we're, we're sitting here talking about the fact that um, the entire offense sputtered for 
four straight weeks. And and we were back then complaining about the fact that, oh, Garrett Groshek was the leading ball carrier with 70 yards and was averaging five and a half yards a carry. <laughs> uh, hindsight is twenty twenty for sure. Yeah, that that's a great point. Whoa, hindsight is twenty twenty <laughs> in 2020. Exactly, exactly. So that was, yeah, that was definitely a fun game. Um, you know, they came out and, and looked so good on both sides of the ball. And, and we were kind of nitpicking who would have known that uh, – at the end of at the end of that, um, things would change so much. But yeah, that was a great moment. I think that Michigan game was. I mean, anytime you're you're beating Michigan the way you, they have the last couple of years is always fun. Even I know, I know Michigan is is not what they once were, and I think a lot of people realize that now. But it's still fun to go to Ann Arbor and and win the way they did in that one. But I'd have to say, along with those two, seeing the guys celebrate after the Mayo Bowl was great. But also, I think. In the culmination of this season, to to you know, for Colin Larch to hit that field goal against Minnesota and give them the win over the Gophers in what was such a weird year for both schools. I mean, Minnesota and Wisconsin both really battled COVID issues, and and you know, a couple of years ago, PJ Flock talked about how important it was for them to to win that game against Wisconsin and then go off and and win their bowl game, and all of a sudden you build momentum for next year. I think them winning that game was was really big in terms of confidence boost and just a nice like finisher to the 2020 season. Now, granted, we didn't know about the bowl results at that time, so at, at, when they made that field goal, you didn't know you assumed they would be going to a bowl, but some schools didn't, so you thought maybe that would be the end and and they would just you know be happy with that. So I think that moment was was really nice for them to to be able to just kind of breathe a sigh of relief the last few weeks hadn't gone the way they wanted to to win the axie you know guys like Eric Burrell and, and John Dietzen someone who's battled so much throughout his career to be able to to win that axe and, and go chop it I mean it's always a great moment when when the guys are able to do that but I think at this season it, it really felt something special to to be able to watch them you know celebrate the way they did, and then the Mayo Bowl celebration with the broken trophy was uh, just a cherry on top. Uh, a few days later, yeah, I, I was going to say uh, you know a close second for me was when Paul Christ got in trouble for his mask issues, and then he came back <laughs> the rest of the season and taped it the entire way. Um, oh, that God. was that was also amazing um, because he did that the entire season after that moment and looked absolutely silly. But um, that was that was another thing that really jumped out to me this year. Yeah, he was he was not screwing around with that mask. He's not taking any chances after after battle and COVID that way. Um, yeah, that was a. The, the the taped mask and the glasses and the, and the Paul Chris gray sweatshirt were was just a beautiful sight to see and uh, I mean that's what I mean a lot of tough moments this year but a lot of fun ones that you can look back on and and really chuckle and and enjoy that way so it wasn't all bad for Wisconsin football despite the you know the maybe not meeting the expectations that we all kind of wanted uh, early in the year so before we get into the awards as we kind of look ahead to to 2021 where do you think this team will kind of be because of what happened in in this 2020 season? I would assume they're going to be in a much better place. Um, I I would also assume, though, that a lot of the competition is going to be in a better place as well that they're going to be taking on. You know, they kick off the season against Penn State, who I would imagine is going to be much improved next year. They're going to be losing a lot of guys, but at the same time, you look at it, they're still going to be bringing in another top-flight recruiting class and, and kind of getting some of their young guys ready to roll. So, But but you look at it, I think the Badgers are going to be um, solid. I think you're going to have Graham Mertz at quarterback. Um, you're going to have Jalen Berger as your, your running back. 
We'll see about if Garrett Groshek is coming back as well. I think the big thing is going to hinge on the passing game and who comes back um, at wide receiver. You know, is is Danny Davis going to be back? Is is uh, Kendrick Pryor going to be back? Jake Ferguson's got a decision to make. Um, I think some of the young guys like Tim Ray DK, Devin Chandler, um, can help them out and are, are, are players that are going to be down the line really nice um, additions to this team and, and help them out. But I, I think if you have those two guys that back, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, that would elevate this offense immediately. And I think that that's, that's what this team really needs um, is, is a boost from that. Um, defensively, to me, I think they're going to be really good. I think – um, you've got to replace some guys up front at the DN positions, but I thought I thought Isaiah Mullins looked really good. I, I think Keanu Benton, hopefully that ankle is, is okay and he's good to go for next year right away, but um, you, you're going to get Matt Henningsen back, another player that you relied on so much last year that didn't get to play much at all this year. Um, and, and I thought the safeties really played well this year and, and kind of came back um, when you saw a guy like uh, – a, a guy like uh, Reggie Pearson not even in the mix, so hopefully you get him back too. So I think overall this team's going to be much improved. They've, they've got some things to clean up. The offense um, definitely needs to get in rhythm. You, I would anticipate that um, Graham Mertz is, is going to be throwing with those wide receivers uh, when they when they get back from their little mini break here. But, but man, I, I think that's the number one thing is can you have – um, some pass catchers around Graham Mertz to help this this offense go because that's really what crushed them this year. And if they get that, I, I trust Jim Leonard's defense year in and year out. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think that's the, the big question mark that a, a lot of people will be looking at. You know, you hope next year at this time you're back into a normal rhythm with spring practice, you're back into a normal rhythm with, with game week and and not having to deal with some of these issues uh, that you did this year, and and then you look at the personnel wise, you got a lot of some of these, you got a lot of these younger guys into the fold that you expected to be in there, you know, next year making an impact. You look at Graham Mertz, of course, at you know if, before the season started, Jack Cohn was still kind of the guy that they were expecting to have, and maybe we saw a little bit of Graham Mertz. I don't think anybody expected for Graham Mertz to kind of be the starter the entire season, so. I know it was kind of a rough year for him, but I think he'll be a lot better next year. And if he's got some targets that come back in the likes of, of Pryor and, and Davis and, and Ferguson possibly, uh, I think you're really set up well for there. And then you've got a, a guy like Jalen Berger who looks like your next running back. And then up front, you know, you saw a lot of guys get some time that will allow that offensive line to, to hopefully continue to click. You know, you're going to have Logan Brown stepping into a spot. He looked really good, got a lot of time in that bowl game where hopefully he's ready to make the next jump and, and be a full-time starter that, that really can play at a high level. You've got some, you know, Cormac Sampson was the guy that got worked in a lot this year. You've got guys on the line that I think will be ready to take on a bigger role, which will be important um, when, you, when you've got uh, an offense that you really rely on a, your big guys up front to run the football and, and set up stuff for Graham Merch in the play-action game and, and throwing it that way. So offensively, I think they'll be really battle-tested to, to make um, a jump next year. I know there was tough times this year um, in terms of offense, but you mentioned it in your tweet, you know, um, you know, the other day about Graham Mertz and his receivers, how big of an impact that can be. And and I think that's going to be something we'll look at next year and say, oh man, when you have a, a group of guys that you can really rely on in that passing game, it, it makes a huge difference. I think you'll see Graham Mertz's game elevated from that as well. And then defensively, 
I, I it's getting to the point with Wisconsin defense where, of course, you you got to look at some of the guys that are going to be out there, but for the most part, you pretty much trust Jim Leonard's defense going to be pretty solid, um, you know, front to back, fundamentally sound, and and really going to be a unit that is probably a top twenty five defense year in and year out. I mean, it's gotten to the point where they've lost guys every, year after year. And the next year they come out and, and they're st- still a really strong unit. They're, they've got depth. They've got a, a, a unit that is really well coached. So if the offense can come out and click, I think this defense is just going to be as good and, and have some depth and battle tested and, and ready to go into a 2021 season that will hopefully be a lot more uh, successful that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up depth because you look at this season – we talked about the fact that you've had so many different regular starters out of the lineup. You've had freshmen playing all over. You've had um, younger players all over the field um, playing significant roles. Um, and and it, it, this is a testament to the depth that the Wisconsin staff has created in recruiting. Um, those extra, you know, you see what the benefits of the 2019, 2020, and um, next year you'll see the 2021 recruiting class um, really help this team out because. There's no way that you, the Badgers would have been in this, been able to go four and three, have a win a bowl game, keep the axe, do all those things if, if it wasn't for the fact that they were recruiting well to, to backfill this because those, if they would have strung together classes like they had with 2018, we'd be looking at a really rough season. Um, And I know that this was a frustrating year for a lot of people, a lot of fans, but, but man, there was, there was a lot of young players that got a lot of playing time. And they they played fairly well in those moments. Um, and so I think you look at it, and things are only going to be better in 2021 for this this uh, team. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I think uh, I think at the end of the day, it was a learning experience, and these guys were will, will have some depth and be ready to, to head into uh, hopefully a much stronger and much cleaner 2021 years. So, all right, next we'll get into our awards, but before we do that, we're going to knock out some ad reads here quick, so stick with us, and then we'll get into our award discussion. All right, to wrap up the season, we kind of did our discussion on the season as a whole. Now we'll get into our awards portion of it. Um, we'll go ahead and do our offensive MVP, defensive MVP. We'll, we'll talk about some most improved guys, and then some guys we're he- excited to see as we head into 2021. So we'll start with most improved, Matt. Who do you, in your eyes, did you see as a guy that really elevated his game from from last year into this year or, or really just made a big jump from what you expected as he came into the season? Um, I'm, I'm going to go from last year to this year, and I think it's Scott Nelson. Um, I, I think, and I know I'm kind of cheating here because we didn't see what he could do last year because of the injury, but when he was playing as a redshirt freshman, you saw a lot of missed tackles. You saw some blown assignments. You saw him uh, um, drop a lot of interceptions. Uh, so he, you could, you saw the raw talent that hey, this kid can cover a lot of ground, um, standing like six two, six three, and two hundred pounds, and he's got some wheels. But you, you didn't see him put it together. Last year, got the injury. He, you weren't able to see him in that first game against um, Illinois. So that was. People, I, at least I was, I was worried because I didn't know if, if maybe he was still had some lingering um, problems with that injury, that knee injury. 
But you look at what he put together this year, and he really came on the last three games of the year. I thought he played phenomenal. You saw him flying around, making tackles, not only in the backfield, but also um, making some plays on the ball. He led the team in interceptions with two. Um, and, and really, he had a phenomenal year. I, I thought I was really impressed with what he did. He's a very vocal guy in practice. Um, you know, he's, he's the guy that I think is going to take on a bigger leadership role next year, one would assume. So I would say that it's Scott Nelson. I thought that he looked really good in the bowl game, but that was just uh, a continual progression from what we saw uh, from him this season, that he came back, had that interception against Michigan. Um, but then you look at Iowa, Minnesota, Wake Forest, he, he was all over the field and played really well. So I think for me the most improved award is going to go to Scott Nelson. Yep, I have to agree with you. He was the guy that I was going to say as well. I think he, he really took his game to the level that we hoped it would go to. You know, you mentioned the the freshman year he had, there was, there was flashes, and then, of course, you battle injury, and then you come out, and I, I agree with you. I really didn't know what to expect. I think we, we saw some moments where he was really strong his freshman year, and we saw some moments where he really struggled his freshman year. So I don't think we necessarily knew which – which Scott Nelson was going to show up. And I think this Scott Nelson this year, especially down the, the back half of the show or the season, um, he really played strong and looked to be a much cleaner player. I think next year you won't have to worry about his health coming in. I think you know what you're going to get from him. You're not going to have a guy like Eric Burrell. So him and, and you know guys like Colin Wilder, who was probably someone else I was going to mention as the most improved, I know if we're – if we're handing out the award, award itself, I would say Scott Nelson, but I think there's some other guys you can certainly mention in, in the likes of Colin Wilder. Um, 30 total tackles for him. I think he, coming into the year, looked like he would be a role player in the secondary with the likes of um, with Nelson Burrell. And then at, at the time, you know, early on, you thought Eric or uh, Reggie Pearson was going to be in there as well, so you could mix Wilder in there. He upped his game when Pearson kind of went out, and, and it's going to be a guy next year that will – will really be a guy that we're excited about in that secondary as well. And then I think the other guy that, that I think you have to mention, just based on the, the numbers that he had and in terms of a jump, was Leo Chennault. Um Really, again, another guy. Him and Nelson down the stretch were guys that were really playing well. Um, he's going to be a monster. We knew coming into this year that he was going to have a good year. I think next year um, with him and Sanborn hopefully in the middle um, of that linebacker core could just be really dominating. So I, I would have to say – if there was a award itself, I'd give it to Nelson as well, but there's definitely some honorable mentions, you could say, in the likes of, of Wilder and, and Chennault on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, another guy to to talk about the offense a little bit, and this isn't from last year to this year, but rather kind of natural progression over the this, this season was Devin Chandler. He, he's, a, he's a young guy that I'm guessing we're going to talk about when we talk about some guys we're excited for. But but he came out of nowhere. I mean, he was a kid that I remember. I was I really liked when they got him. In, yep, in I remember that. He's a he's a player that I think you know he jumped on film. Like he he really looked like a, a really talented player. Um, he's a little slighter than I thought he was going to be coming in. But at the same time, you look at it. He didn't play in any of the first few games. Uh, first three games he didn't play at all. Indiana came in as as the kickoff return guy. But then he had a nice game against Iowa where he not only was returning kicks, but he also had two receptions for 28 yards. Um, didn't do much against Minnesota. Um, but then Wake Forest, you look at that bowl game, he had that big kickoff return that completely flipped momentum for the Badgers and gave them positive field position um, that they got they um, were able to convert and score on. 
And then he also had that 18-yard run that was that was really nicely done on the um, end around. So I think he's a guy that I look at as what he was able to do as a youngster put in at the, midway through the season and, and show the staff as time went on, hey, our top guys are going down. Here's a kid that we're going to throw in there. And, and he, he, you know, he rose to the challenge, and I think he's a guy that um, – probably, you know, secured that kickoff role next year. I'm, I know Stephen Bracey uh, started off the year with it and had, had been dealing with injuries since, but um, I, I think you have to be impressed with what Devin Chandler did this season, especially considering that he was not an early enrollee. He was a kid who came in in the summer in this crazy pandemic, and as the season went on, he, he saw more and more touches, and, and he, you know, rose to the challenge. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Rose of the challenge is a good way to put it. You know, a lot of these young guys got opportunities that maybe they didn't expect, and uh, and and some guys really took advantage of it and, and set them up well for next year. And, and the likes of Chandler and, and then a couple others that way. So um, you talked about the offense. We'll keep it moving here with our offensive MVP. Kind of with with an offense that kind of struggled. There's not a ton of choices and debate you can go with, but there's certainly a few names in the running. Uh, who did you have as your offensive MVP for this year? I like that we uh, totally aligned on the last question with uh, Scott Nelson. So we'll see if we are are at the same spot this year. Um, you know, I, I think you could easily say a guy like Jalen Berger could could be it, but but he only played in four games. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna go with Jake Ferguson. Um, I, I look at you look at what he he did this season. Um, his production dropped off a little bit after the first couple games. Um, I, I he just teams were able to take away him away because they didn't have other pass passing threats uh, around him. You know, Jack Dunn was their primary guy um, in running routes. And, and, you know, a 5-7 walk-on is is not necessarily always what you want as your starting wide receiver. But but Jake Ferguson, he was like a magnet. The defense had to account for him at at every play. Um, He was great in, in run support as well as um, as a pass catcher. He he's he was a consummate pro out there. And and there's a reason he's going to be playing on Sundays down the line. Um, whether that's next year or in two years. But he, he was a guy that I think really helped this team, and I think they would have been completely lost in the passing game if it wasn't for him being out there and as a as a pass-catching threat and and, and just really, really using his 6'5 frame because he he was a guy that this team needed um, to, to stay healthy because if they wouldn't have had him when you also are out some of your top wideouts, they would have been absolutely screwed. Yeah, that one uh, was one that was kind of, I mean, not by default, but I think it was Jake Ferguson because it, it has to be. So I agree with you. He was the, my, it was the unanimous Bucky Swift podcast offensive MVP because he, he was really the, stats-wise even, he was the big, um, you know, the, the big player that you had on that offense. I mean, maybe you could make an argument the offensive MVP is, is Kendrick Pryor or Danny Davis because you saw how bad the offense was kind of without them. So, <laughs> True. Um, but, but Jake Ferguson was a guy that, Really, when you look around, Jalen Berger, like you mentioned, is certainly a name that should be mentioned because he, he had a strong year. But, again, you know, early in the season, didn't get a lot of run, and then, you know, battled with some, some COVID and, and just the off time. It was hard to really be able to name him. And then, you know, you look at stats-wise, Graham Mertz was your leading passer, but I don't think you can make him an offensive MVP by any means. So Jake Ferguson, I think, was definitely the guy that uh, you, you had to rely on. You could maybe – throw Garrett Groshek in there, but Ferguson was by far and away, I think, the guy that you you needed out there no matter what. Um, and, and, you know, four touchdowns, 305 yards receiving, average 10 yards a catch. 
Um, that's that's pretty big, and I think if he comes back, you know, next year he'll be again the the most important piece of that offense. And uh, as he stays healthy, hopefully, and and works into the season, I think him with the group of of Pryor and Davis, like we were expecting, um, you know, with Graham Merch, could really be something that we see a lot of improvement on. But I think just based on but stats and and just how valuable his presence is on the field overall, Jake Ferguson was by far and away the offensive MVP in my eyes. Yeah, I, I I thought, you know, looking at it, I thought that that, that was probably one that we were going to align on as well. Um, but I think we will differ on defense. So um, I, I've kind of I've taken the lead on the last two. Who who did you have as your defensive MVP? This one, yes, was a little bit tougher. But I think the for me, the last couple games kind of changed it for me, um, where. He just really had good games, and uh, I had to go with Jack Sanborn just with way, the way he played um, down the stretch. I think there were a couple other guys that you could definitely throw in there and, and make it a, a little bit more contentious of a debate, but uh, it really maybe is a two-horse race, and I had to go with Sanborn. Just you know, 52 total tackles, a guy that we were all really high on coming into this year um, and, and had another really strong season that way, and, and hopefully he comes back. And, and the mix of him with Chanel and, and Sanborn in the middle next year will really make, I, I think, a huge difference and, and allow this defense to kind of build from build from that inside linebacker you know, position to work their way out. So he was, I, I think, a leader. Um, you know, of course, in terms of tackles, but in terms of also being a leader on the field for some of those guys. And so I had to go with him, but uh, there was definitely a couple other names I had in mind. So uh, were we in agreement or did we differ here? Yeah, I mean, the male bull MVP, Jack Sanborn, um, definitely could have gotten the vote. I actually, just to be, for the sake of being different, I went with Leo Chanel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to pick whichever one you didn't go with because <laughs> uh, I, I think that you can make a compelling argument for both players. Um, you know, Leo Chanel, a, a younger guy, he's not barking out the calls like Sanborn is, but at the same time, you look at it and he, he was really, um, a guy who created a lot of havoc out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he tied for the solo leading tackles with 31 with, with Sanborn. Um, he just didn't assist on quite as, as many, but he was tied for the team lead in tackles for loss. He led the team in sacks, had an interception, led the team, team in quarterback hurries. Um, also had that uh, a forced fumble, so he he was a guy that was consistently there making plays, and we talked about it all year long that he was just kind of a step away from getting some of those sacks. But but at the same time, you look at the team and and the whole team struggled with getting to the quarterback. Leo Chanel was the guy who was consistently in the backfield, though, and making it hard on teams. They loved to blitz him from his inside linebacker spot, so. I think a compelling argument can be made for both Jack and Leo, but I'm just going to go with Leo um, because I thought he created a lot of issues based off of what he could do as a pass rusher in addition to um, what he could do as a tackler. Um, he, he didn't have his best game against Wake Forest, but, but that, that's not a, a game where um, it really fits him as much because he, he is a bigger guy who's not going to be dropping into coverage and doing a bunch of stuff like that. But you look at the Indiana and Minnesota games, and dude was was on fire. That Minnesota game, he he was the the MVP of that game single handedly. Um, so I, I think both those guys could easily get the vote. But I'll go with Chanel just to be different. Yeah, I think it was really a two horse race on, on that side of the ball. And, and you know, in the bowl discussion with the commentators, Jim Leonard kind of mentioned to them that he was those two were the two most important pieces of their defense. Kind of all goes off of those two. 
Um, so really it came down to, you know, the, the stats of, of Sanborn in terms of tackles. You know, he, he had 52, Chenal had 40, but when you look at some further numbers, you know, Chenal with, with sacks, you know, pass defended, interception, forced fumble, he was the guy that was kind of creating the havoc, and Sanborn was the guy that was, you know, coming in and, and, and making the tackles. What you expect from a guy like Jack Sanborn just going to come in, pick up, you know, eight, ten tackles a game and go about his business and, and do it rather quietly. So both of those guys were, were really, really important players, and I think the the two most valuable pieces that way. So really, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It could have gone one way or the other, but uh, I'm excited to see what those two can do if, if they're both back and, and ready to play some football uh, next year. All right, we've got the MVPs out of the way. Let's talk about some guys that, you know, we're hyped to see going into 2021. Maybe not guys that had a huge quote-unquote impact on the field, but maybe you saw a little bit and, and expect maybe a big jump as you go into next year. So who are some players that you're excited about uh, when we get uh, the, the 2021 season going? Well, this guy is not under the radar, uh, but, um, and I think you can make a, there's a lot of players that we can bring up just because you talk about all the, the young players. So I'll say this one first. Um, let you go to town on a few guys, and then I've got a couple more that I'll probably add in as well. But I'm going to go with Graham Mertz. You, you look at it, he's a kid who is the most highly sought quarterback the Badgers have signed in, you know, forever. Um, and, and while this year was kind of crappy for him in a lot of ways, and it culminated with that dropping of the Mayo Bowl trophy, um, he, his stats are better than Jack Cohn's when it threw – in the limited time that he's played when Jack Cohn played as a sophomore. So the, you know, if you look at their career arc and, and where they're at, um, they, you, Graham Mertz is farther ahead than where Jack Cohn was at this time in 2018. So if you look at it, Mertz is a, a full point better at his passing percentage, seven points better at, in, in terms of his rating. Um, he pushed the ball down the field more um, in terms of, in terms of yards per attempt, and he, he had a better touchdown-to-interception ratio. Um, I, I think Mertz, we saw the flash of what he could do when he had his weapons around him as well. Jack Cohn was doing that with, with his, you know, the other wide receivers around him. This was Graham Mertz doing it single-handedly in some of the games where he had to drop back and throw it 40 times uh, into the teeth of, you know, a, a Northwestern defense that's one of the best in the country. Um, and and you know he got grilled for it by a lot of people, and and you know I I think everybody can look at it and see that he's got things that he's got to clean up with his footwork, with with some with uh, decision making, reading it and and going through his progression, not having to run to the sidelines to get the plays and whatnot. <laughs> but but the dudes, but the dude can play, and it's you see the arm talent. He can he can throw the ball around the yard. It's just a matter of getting some people around him to allow him to do that. So I think Graham Mertz. Um, you, if you look at, you know, a parallel of, of what happened with Jack Cohn from, from 2018 to 2019, I think Graham Mertz is going to have an even better jump because he has a higher ceiling, a higher potential of what he brings to the table. He, he has way more um, in his arsenal with, with that right arm compared to what Jack Cohn had. Um, so I think Graham Mertz, for me, is a player that I am excited about heading into 2021 based off of everything that's happened this year and he got punched in the mouth and every single time he he said we're going to ball up our fist and go back at it so I think Graham Mertz is is the player that 
people should be most excited about heading into 2021 because he had to endure so much and, and still um, played fairly well in, in uh, this crappy season that was 2022 or 2020. Yeah, I, I love that answer. Um, you know, I think, I think people sometimes forget with a year that, that he's had that he still was a, a redshirt freshman and, and still struggling to maybe develop a little bit. He, he's still very young and he's going to come in next year with a whole boatload of experience and, um, you know, a whole boatload of adversity that will hopefully help him. He seems like a kid that will build off of adversity. So I think anyone who's kind of written off Graham Mertz or said, you know, he's not the guy is, is crazy. I think he's going to come back next year, hopefully with uh, a good amount of weapons and, and just another step up. You know, the, the offense, I think, as a whole in terms of play calling and, you know, the the not having to run. It was just a mess all year long. And, and Graham Mertz certainly is part of that blame. But I think there's a lot of other bigger factors outside of that. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. He's going to be a guy that we should all be excited about because we know the talent that he's got. We saw it in flashes, you know, that Illinois game. You saw how special it can be when he's got um, the weapons and, and is throwing it around. So I think next year is he's going to be a guy that uh, everyone should still be excited about. Um, for me, there was, there was a, like you mentioned at the start, there's a lot of names you could throw out. I think uh, to talk about it a little bit defensively, I'm really excited to see some of these younger outside linebackers, whether it be a Nick Herbig, C.J. Getz is a guy that uh, we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the season. We thought would get some playing time. When he was out there, he was playing a lot. Aaron Witt, a guy that I don't know if people expected to really – Yeah, that was a guy I was going to bring up too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these young outside linebackers um, are the guys that I'm going to be excited about because – they're going to have to play a lot more next year. There's going to be openings in, in both of those spots. So I think they're going to be guys that uh, that I'm really excited to see, you know, the the Wits, the Lytles, the, you know, the Herbigs. Who's going to end up getting the, the CJ guy? Who's going to end up getting um, a couple of those spots? Because I think all four in, in, in that group is really talented. It's just going to be about who really elevates their game to be a full-time, you know, dominating starter. Because you've got Sanborn and Schnall on the inside really strong there, and if you can get some really strong outside linebackers, you've got a, a core that'll be really good on that defensive side of the ball. So those are some of the other names that, that I wanted to mention as guys that I'm excited about. And, and, and like you said, there's really a whole host and, and list that you could go through and be excited about for this team. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Berger is an easy one. That, mm-hmm. that you, you saw what he can do um, in multiple games. He you know he he just gets his patented 15 touches every time, um, so we'll see if that continues next year. Um, but that's just as mind blowing, and I know it's just coincidence. But 15 touches in the four games he played is is just silly that it worked out that way, and and that people asked him about if or Paul Chris got asked if it was a pitch count. Um, then Devin Chandler we mentioned. I thought Jack Eschenbach. You know, yep. I, I think he's a guy we, you know, we're going to pound the table for Jack Eschenbach <laughs> forever because, you know, the kid runs like a damn deer out there and, and when we've seen him in practice and I think he's a walk on that could, could help this team out. Um, Logan Brown, you look at what he did in the, the bowl game and you've got to be happy about that. Some of his past sets weren't perfect, but at the same time, you, you saw what he can do as a, a run blocker. Um, but then also on, on defense, um, you know, you mentioned the outside linebackers. I'm definitely high on some of them, on some of those guys. But um, another guy that I think earned some valuable time this year is, is Cole McDonald. He's, he's another kid that I think looking into the year, 
Um, we should have known better going into the year that there, because of COVID, you know, things were going to happen. But I don't think that anybody would have expected to see him as uh, as kind of a, a raw defensive lineman coming in and, and playing decent amount of snaps for the Badgers as, as a true freshman. You know, he's got an exciting size and frame, um, and and I think he's a guy that the staff is really high on. So I think you there's a lot of places you can go with with the answer but but I think outside linebackers like you mentioned on defense and I and I do think that Graham Mertz um Jalen Berger that that combination of players um has to be though at the top of the list as well yeah yeah and and, and even like guys like Jim Ray DK we saw John Chanel I mean he could be you know with Mason Stockey you're not sure of of his status you, you rely on a fullback of Wisconsin too they, they've got a lot of names that I think you could really be excited about um, in this group that uh, you you saw a little bit of um, this year that maybe you didn't expect. So that just proves the the recruiting and the depth that some of these guys in these last couple of classes are are able to get on the field a little bit earlier than in years past. They've had to develop and, and work some of these guys in, um, you know. And and we haven't even mentioned you know there's going to be names next year like like Jack Nelson, Trey Weddick, some of these young offensive linemen that. Um, you know, Logan Brown, we finally got some time and, and looked really strong. There's there's a whole group of those guys that um, you would you would think you'd be excited about as well. Just haven't seen a lot of them. Um, so it's it's just I think Wisconsin football overall, as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, is despite the tough year, in a really good position to to be a, a team that improves greatly next year and and really I think contends for the Big Ten West again and, and is kind of in the same position that we're used to just based off of the talent they have, the depth they have, and, and hopefully some sort of return to normalcy with the football schedule and, and everything will allow this team to really elevate its game and, and be a team that can t- contend for a lot of different things in 2021. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I totally agree. I think I think the season sucked in a lot of ways, and it was a tough watch. I mean, the Wisconsin offense was just downright bad for multiple games in there against some tough defenses, but there's definitely positives to to glean from this season, and I think moving forward they'll they'll be in a good spot. Um, I'm glad you brought up Tim Ray DK because he was a guy I totally forgot as well. You look at what he he was able to do this year and, and flash at times. He's a player that I think has some really good football ahead of him, um, and is and is only going to get better um, with with added reps and time in the off season to really develop a rapport with with Graham Mertz. So I think. I think the future is is fairly bright. It's just going to be a matter of now figuring out who's all back for next year, seeing um, how that kind of unfolds, and um, there's good, there's bound to be um, attrition um, at some at some spots. Um, but then maybe you can get some guys. We, we've talked about um, Mark Marcus Step as a guy that could or Marquis Step as a guy from USD mm-hmm. who could possibly come in. They might look at a wide receiver in the transfer portal. I would imagine if. You you see um, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor not coming back. That situation is very fluid, and who really knows at this point um, what's going on there. And, and and then you could always get a guy like Reggie Pearson, who is still one of your best defenders, coming back too. So I, I think um, the Badgers are going to be in a fine spot, and that hopefully this year was more of an anomaly and had to do more with COVID than it did with uh, the actual progress of the, the team. I think that puts a great bow on the 2020 season as we kind of cap off our, our football discussion. Of course, we'll have some off-season talk throughout the throughout the year, um, but uh, that'll be a, a nice nice wrap-up of the 2020 season for sure. And, and like I mentioned, guys, this will be the only episode of the week when I um, when we're back 
Um, the following week, we'll have plenty of basketball to talk about um, and, and lots to get into as we kind of work into that being our main focus uh, as we head into this football offseason. So as always, guys, thank you for listening. I know both Matt and I really appreciate that you guys listen to this us you know, a couple times a week, and hopefully you enjoyed listening to us throughout this crazy and wild football season, and we're excited to keep bringing the podcast to you, uh, you know, every week as we work into, you know, our, our main basketball focus. So as always on Wisconsin.